life. And so last week we talked about it was a tough message. I know some of you are mad at me still. Uh, I'm just a vessel, okay? I'm just I'm just the I'm just the messenger of the Lord. And so last week was a tough message, but it was a good message. Today's message is going to be tough and good. It'll encourage you. It'll inspire you. It'll it'll be a Holy Spirit message. Uh, and we're talking about controlled by the Spirit. And really, that means us submitting to the Holy Spirit. Turn in your Bible, Galatians chapter five. We'll read that in a moment. But before we do that. Let me just read these scriptures to you in a moment. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16. In a few minutes, we'll read that. Galatians 5, 16. We'll read that in a moment. Uh, but let me just read these scriptures to you. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. This is on your notes. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the man who sows to please the Spirit, from the, the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, how many of you know if you planted corn, you're not going to get cucumbers? You know that? Now, let me also say, you can't plant a hot dog and get a hot dog tree. You don't understand that, right? You know, I mean, cartoons, I don't know if cartoons, you, like, you, see, stuff, or you sort of see stuff on TV and think, oh, wow. So, so what, what, what Paul is saying, he says, if you plant and you water your earthly nature, from that your sinful nature is going to control your life. He said, on the, on the contrast to that, if you then water your spiritual nature, if you feed yourself spiritually, your spirit's going to grow stronger. Amen? And you see, we have churches full of people in the world and in America, and they're saying, why am I growing? What's wrong with the church? What's wrong with the pastor? And a lot of times you need to go back and say, what's wrong? What am I feeding or not feeding? Amen? I talked a little bit, I'm not going to get too much in that, but, but the Bible says... Don't deceive yourself. If you don't read your Bible, you're not praying, and you're just feeding yourself with the flesh, you're not going to be very spiritual. Come on. And you can't mock God, and, and God will not be mocked. But he says, but on the contrary, if you feed your spirit, you're going to grow. Amen? Amen? Okay? John 6.63, the spirit gives life. Who gives life? The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Listen to this, Ephesians 5.15. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on, on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, Paul is saying, even saying to us today, Hey, wake up, time is running out. Would you say that we live in some evil times? Yes. We do. There are people out there that want to destroy you. There is a being, and his name is Satan. He, the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and give it abundantly. Amen? And for you to receive that life, you have to receive Jesus, number one. And then you have to say, Spirit, just continue to guide me and fill me every day. Let me fill my life up. And so whatever you feed, if you feed your flesh, that controls you. If you feed your, feed your spirit with spiritual things, that will control your life. Does it make sense? So I want to give you some practical things. I want, to, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we submit to the, the Word of God. We submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We submit to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us and empower us, change us, and, and give us that abundant life that you have for us, Lord Jesus. We love you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, everyone in this room have had or has influence in your life, right? Somebody influenced you. The way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk is through influence. Did you know that? The way you vote, the way you think, the way, the way you go to work, your dreams, your goals, they were all influenced by somebody or a group of people in your life. Would you, would you agree? Some of, those, some of those influences are deep. Some of them you shrugged off and said, I don't want to do that. That's, that's not good for me, okay? 
However, something started in your life and it became a contributing factor that begins to become more dominant in your life, good or bad. And so sometimes you and I might, you might see a person and they might have been abused in a relationship and then because of that dominant thing in life, they now become an abuser in a relationship. And you wonder, what's wrong with them? Because that was the pattern that was set in their life. Or the opposite, could they, they could be a very loving, very patient person because they learned that from their family. They could be that way. Same way you say, man, I wish I could be like that. You can if you submit to the Holy Spirit. And you, and you have to submit your flesh to God and say, God, take control of my flesh. And you see, you and I all, many of us know, we have met people who have responded to the world through the control of things such as drugs, alcohol, money, uh, obsessive thoughts, failed dreams, or fear. And when an idea, a substance, or another person controls us, it affects us in everything we do, right? Some of you, do, some of you know, some of you don't know. I, I am a police chaplain for the city of Rockland. I've, I've been a police chaplain uh, in Salt Lake City as well. And I have seen people's lives where, where their life is, is totally messed up because of an addiction or, or a lifestyle. And it would break my heart, and it, it would break your heart if you would just see some of the people that I get to, to meet with the police. And I pray for them. I say, oh Lord Jesus, I have seen people wasting away because of drugs where they're about to die. I've seen people dead because of some, that dominant thing that controlled their life. And then there's a, a room full of young kids, now without a parent, because their life was controlled by this thing. And you see, there's a, a world of evil out there trying to destroy you. And the Bible says, don't fall into that stuff. Don't be mocked. God cannot be deceived. You might go, I feel, I feel good. It makes me feel good. You can feel good not doing that stuff too. But what happens is it begins to control your life. And, I've, and here's my story about the police department. Is I've seen people that they begin to unravel and lose all objectivity and they begin to burn their family and friends and take money and, and steal just so they can keep this addiction going. And they may have had a great job. They may have had a good marriage. They might have had, had good parents. But all of a sudden, this thing takes control of their lives because they're feeding it every day. And it can happen to anyone. I'm not judging them because I pray, I pray for them to be freed. I mean, sometimes tears almost come down to my eyes when I see them and we're dealing with them saying, Jesus set them free because only you can do that. But this thing, it, it controls their life. And, and many of us in this room, whether you like it or not, you're controlled by something or someone. Albeit the Spirit of God, albeit your flesh, albeit a political party, albeit something, some group is controlling you. And God is saying, I'm not going to control you, make you like a zombie or a, a robot. I'm going to give you control through you giving me control. You'll have freedom. You'll really live. You'll really have life if you allow the Spirit to take control of your life. Amen? So the first thing is this, is we are controlled. Write that down. We are controlled. The letter A, it says, the, I know this is not real nice, but it says, the fruit of our lives rat us out. How many of you know, how many of you had siblings, brothers and sisters? How many of you ratted out your brother and sister when they did something? How many of you were ratted out? You know, you're still angry about that, aren't you? I mean, there were plenty of times, my older brothers, I mean, I was the youngest, I was the baby. Don't call me baby. All right? Um, they would, oh, you're the baby. Your mom's favorite. And they call me, you know, on some not very nice names. And they would beat me up. and they, I mean, they would do all kinds of stuff to me. So I said, like, I'm going to get them back. And so I would rat on them sometimes. You know, who broke that? You know. And of course, we all did that. Who did that? And then they, you know, I told the truth. And of course, I got beat up for it a lot of times too. Our, the fruit of our lives, though, rat us out. There's a story. Pastor Simbola talks about, he, he's a pastor of, of, of Brooklyn Tabernacle, a large church in Brooklyn. 
And they're seeing powerful things. And he was, he was standing in line to go to a bank. And there was a man in front of him. The man, haven't you seen this? The man was angry. He was seething. He's like, you ever been around somebody? And they're like, just, the anger just exudes. And he's like, breathing heavy. He's like, come on, come on, hurry up. This stupid mule, hurry up. So he was just, and so, you know, Pastor Simba is standing behind him. He, and finally he gets up to the teller and says, your stupid ATM machine's not working. So she said, I'm sorry, sir. We'll get someone, get, get someone on it. And she thought she was, he was talking about the ATM machine in, inside the bank. And he says, it's that one over there. And he points to the door and she's like, uh, I can't see it. That one right there, and there's a lady crossing the street on the other side at the other bank. And, and, and she's crossing and he's yelling, like, move out of the way! Stupid person, get out of the way! And so finally, it's that ATM. And of course, this man's anger had so controlled his life. Everyone in the room's like, you know, what a fool, right? And you think, well, I don't do that. Do you? You see, sometimes we're under control of things. And this man, who knows, maybe he it did, probably didn't start having a bad day. It probably wasn't 18. It was just things that built up in his life. Things that were beginning to control his life. And you see what happens is the things of this world begin to weigh you down. Amen? Stress, life, bills, job, future. It begins to wear down on you. If you're not filling your life with the Spirit, it's going to begin to make you angry like this man or under control of someone else. And so the fruit of our lives rat us out. What's inside of you comes out. So that anger began to burn. And that was just the tipping point that day, that the ATM machine across the street at the other bank wasn't working. And you see, many of you, you're beginning to boil and there's something that's controlling you and and whatever's in you always comes out. Did you know that? You ask the people around you. They will tell you. Of course, some of them aren't going to tell you. When you enter a room and everyone leaves, that's a sign (laughs) that there's something wrong and you're under control of something. Amen? Come on, I'm not trying to be mean. Now let's read, let's read this just for a moment. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Are you, are you ready to go? Are you ready? Come on, the Word of God is powerful. Say that. The Word of God is powerful. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Okay, so what I'm going to say will bring life to you if you listen with your ears, your mind, and your spirit. You've got to let all three of your body parts not your body parts, but your, your triune spirit. Your mind, your heart, and your spirit. You, you need to listen, okay, with all three of those. Are you ready? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, So I say live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Here, and he goes through a list. This is just some of them. For the sinful desires, natural, nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then listen to this. It says, verse 19, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And Factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's some pretty stern words, amen? But, check this out, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now some of you say, you know that fruit of the Spirit, that's for pansies. Now the fruit of the Spirit is for tough people who can handle life through Jesus Christ. Amen? 
You see, because anyone can be controlled by your flesh. And your flesh will destroy you, right? Okay? So number, letter B. Don't be deceived. Write that down. If you already got it written down, I already read this. I'm going to read it again. Galatians 6. 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, so either destruction or eternal life. It's your choice. Are you following me? Really quiet this morning. Don't try to deceive yourself. What you put in your life will come out in your words and your actions. Amen? What you feed in your life controls your life. Come on, let me just be honest with you. What you feed controls your life. If you feed your flesh, it controls you. If you feed your spirit, it controls you. If you feed your intellect, it can control you. Now, those all can be good things, but you need to feed your spirit a lot because your flesh and your intellect are going to get you in trouble by themselves, right? Are you following me? What you feed the most controls your life, okay? Letter C, God cannot be mocked. God cannot be mocked. More importantly, in other words, God will not be mocked by hollow words. If all week long we're living like the devil, and then on Sunday morning we act like a saint, he's not fooled. You're not fooled. Your family and your friends are not fooled. Don't be deceived. Amen? And so God wants to give you life. He wants to deliver you from that. You see, God sees all. God knows all. And sometimes we still think we can hide stuff from God. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny like with kids under four, generally, you can get them. Like, you know, when you say something like, did you eat the last Twinkie? And they're like, no, right? How many of you done that? Right? You know, little kids, I mean, and so it's like that with God. You know, we try to hide, not me, and he sees all. And he's asking because he just wants you to come clean. He knows it, but he, he's not going to condemn you. He wants you to be free unless you continue to live in that lifestyle. And then another thing is this, God will not allow you to mock his name or his church if you continue to say you're a Christian but you live an opposite lifestyle. God will begin to deal with you. It'll be gentle at first. It'll be lovingly. It'll be friends and family coming to you. But if you continue to live like the devil, he begins to discipline you. And if you continue like that, he'll begin to deal with you severely if you disobey and you start closing up your ears to him. God's a loving God. He's patient. But you can't live like the world and call yourself a Christian. God says, I will not be mocked that way. Don't you dare do that. Amen? Are you following me? This is good stuff. Amen? Uh, This is good stuff, Pastor. Man, get off it already. Okay, let me move on then. Number two, we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. You want good things in your lives? What do you have to do? You have to to put good stuff in. Right? I mean, if you're drinking a, a, a case of Jim Beam every day, that's not good for you. I don't feel anything, so it must be good. No, you're going to be dead, or, and besides killing people around you, right? Yes. Amen? So if you're feeding yourself the Spirit, the God things, you're going to do better. I'm not saying you can't have life and you can't enjoy life. I'm just saying, allow the Spirit. So we talked about, I'm going to just go through it just briefly, just for a few moments. The works, let me just add a couple of things. The works of the flesh, okay? The Bible clearly states that, we read these in Galatians, that the works of the flesh are not from God. They're from your flesh, Okay? Um, let me read it to you again one more time. The, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, this is what God says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not Stan Nelson being an old-fashioned, fuddy-duddy pastor. That's the word of God. And you need to hear that sometimes. 
Because we're, we're full of churches of you can have your best life now and God just wants to bless you, but God only blesses us when we obey Him. Amen? So the Bible says clearly that these things are, are, are of the devil. You don't need, I don't need to go through all but you know what a sexual morality is. Sexual morality is sexual morality. Doing things that, that you shouldn't be doing, things that you know are not from God. Impurity. This could be evil thoughts. This could be evil deeds, vices that control your desires. Okay? Debauchery. Debauchery is sensuality. In other words, being a sensual person, meaning that you just let your, your, you just follow your, your passions and desires to the point of having no shame. That's not good for you. Okay? Let me move on. Let me just talk. Idolatry. This is obviously, this is worship of anything else but God. It could be a person. It could be a job. It could be possessions. It could be a sports star. It could be, it could be a family member. God forbids us to have idols before Him. Do you know that? Witchcraft. This is, this is sorcery, spiritism, black or white magic, worship of demons, use of drugs to, to produce spiritual feelings. You're not to go to seances as believers. Did you know that? The Bible forbids that. The Bible forbids you from reading, from reading your horoscope. The Bible forbids you to go to these things because they're wicked, they're evil, they'll destroy your soul. Oh, pastor, it's not true. Yes, I've dealt with people that have done that. And then they got delivered. And it was a hard fight to get these people out of that lifestyle because the demonic began to demonize or demon-possess them because they opened their lives up to those things. Don't tell me it's not real because I've, I've seen the effect with people, okay? Don't fall into that stuff, okay? Amen? Hatred. This is intense, hostile intentions or acts. Extreme dislike. This is not from God. You're to hate the devil. You're to hate his fruits, but you're not to hate people. Because the Bible says we, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against people. Pastor Stan, you don't understand. I grew up in Japan, and the Chinese did this. Pastor Stan, you don't understand. I grew up in Korea. I grew up in Africa. You don't understand. I grew up in this area, and there was this ethnic group, and they were mean to me. That just still doesn't give you a right to hate people. Hate is of the devil. Hate is of the flesh. Amen? Are you following me? Alright, let me just move on. Um, discord. This is quarreling. This is uh, struggling for superiority. Uh, this is always trying to cause troubles. Some of you think, well, I, I enjoy it, but do you know that's not a fruit of God? If you think your job is to come in every workplace, every church, and every family and cause discord, that is not from God. That is of the devil. Amen? Some of you get joy out of that. You shouldn't be joyful about that. Jealousy. This is resentfulness. This is envy uh, of another person's possessions, their recognition. Fits of rage! Scared you, didn't I? And you're like, Arr! how many of you love doing that? You know, on a, on a rare occasion, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta just let it all out, right? But if you're constantly blowing up all the time, that's not biblical. Not only are you, you going to blow a valve in your gasket in your spiritual life, you're going to blow, blow up relationships, aren't you? You're going to blow up your body. If you're always mad, you're always angry, you're always blowing up, that's not from God. Amen? Selfish ambition. This is obviously just seeking power or following. This is trying to be in control. Dissensions. This is introducing divisive teachings. This is purposely going and, and getting people at odds with each other. Some of you have co-workers. Some of you don't. You shouldn't do that. I mean, it happens in school. And, and, and I, I'm, the, I'm the father of two daughters and I don't see them in here. And they talk about how how, and my wife will say, sometimes girls can just be nasty. How many can we do that? Backbiting and gossip and looks and guys, we don't do that. We go and we punch each other and then we shake hands. Hey, man, right? Come on, ladies, like, oh, she looked at me bad in, in fifth grade. How old are you now? I'm 45. I don't trust her anymore. Come on, it's true. And so, you, so then you say, oh, you know, and so then you start these little things and you start, you start portraying this person in a bad light. And then what happens is you begin to taint a per, another person's view of them. And I see it a lot in politics, too. I don't like it. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, I don't like it when we say things that aren't true about other people. Whether you like them or not. 
Amen? And as Christians, we shouldn't fall into that. Amen? Factions. Envy. This is, this is resentful dislike of another person who has something that you desire. It may not wanting their car, but hating that the fact that they have a car. Or have a better car. Or have two cars. And so you've got to be careful of that. Amen? I'm going to tread on some very light water or some thin ice real quick. And you see, right now in our culture, we have what's called class envy. And we're telling these people that are rich, say, you better pay us. I'm saying, well, if, if you work for them, they pay you. But if, you, if, they, if they earn that money, what right is us to tell them that they, we deserve their money? That's not biblical. Now, if they've stolen and they've ripped people off and they, were, they did all that, then the government will deal with them, hopefully. And if not, God will deal with them. Amen? So sometimes you might see a coworker and they've been working hard at their job for 50 years and you're mad because they have a, an RV, they go to Florida, they go, they go to Hawaii, and you're just starting the job. I'm like, well, that's not fair. What? That's jealousy. Did you know that? That's envy. That person's worked hard. They don't have drug addiction. I'm not saying you do, but, but I've met people that, that live a good life and God's blessed them. And then you have people that live a terrible life and they're saying, well, that's not fair. That's envy, that's jealousy. That's not from the Lord. Did you know that? Amen? This is good preaching. This is great preaching. I never promise to make you happy. I promise to mature you through the preaching of the Word from this church. And if you listen to the Word of God today, with your spirit, with your ears, your mind, you're going to grow. You're going to be well-rounded. You're going to be ready for when things happen in life. You're going to be solid. Because yes, unfortunately, people do get bonuses that are bogus. Or they get, you get looked over. It happens all the time. Do you serve God or do you serve that job? Well, you understand, Pastor, I've been looked over. Then maybe you should look for another job. I can't get out of it. Then talk to me and I'll pray that God opens up some doors. Because if you're being looked over on purpose, then we can ask God to open the doors because God will justify you. He will, he will take care of you. Amen? Let me move on because I've got to move on about the, the fruit of the Spirit because some of you are like, oh my goodness. Drunkenness. This, this, is, this could be drugs or alcohol impairing yourself. The Bible can... Let me just say this, okay? I know I could get in trouble and I know they're listening on the World Wide Web right now. And I'm an ordained minister and I don't drink alcohol because I'm not supposed to. Okay? And the Bible is very clear. It says that not to be drunk with wine. So it doesn't forbid that you can drink some alcohol. Teenagers, you're not to drink alcohol because it's illegal. Okay? And I know I could probably, I could probably get in trouble right now. They're listening right now. <laughs> but the Bible is very clear. It says do not be drunk with wine. Okay? So as a Christian, you should not get intoxicated. It's, number one, it's embarrassing. You're going to kill someone one of these days. You're going to kill yourself. And it's not biblical. Okay? Now, the well... Paul told Timothy to take a little wine and I just take a little bit because it's my heart medicine. Now, don't use that as an excuse to be a drunk. <laughs> Amen? Now, as, as a pastor, I don't drink and I'm not encouraging you to drink, but the Bible is very clear. Don't be drunk with wine. Amen? Okay, so you're not to be drunk. You're not to get stoned. You're not supposed to do that stuff because it's not biblical. Because you'll destroy lives. And again, working with the police, seeing fans of pastor, I've been a pastor for 20 some odd years, I've seen the effects of alcohol and drug use and how it's destroyed family and taken lives. So don't do it, okay? It's not biblical. Are you, are you following me? Uh, you're like, oh, this is not very exciting. It gets more exciting. Orgies, carousing, this is excessive feasting and revelry, a party spirit. This could include drugs, sex, and alcohol. It could include that. It, could, it may not. But that's just not, you're not supposed to live like that, amen? Okay? 
Paul says that those who engage in these activities will not make heaven. This is not Pastor Stan making it up. It's not a bunch of white theologians making it up. It's what God says in his Bible. Well, Pastor, I'm free to do what I want. The Bible says I've been saved by grace. You're free to do it, but it will destroy you in the end. Galatians 5.13 says this. You, my brothers. Do I have it? Do I have this next scripture? Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Hebrews 10.26. If you deliberately keep on sinning after you have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. 1 Corinthians 10.23, everything is permissible, but not everything is basically good for you. So those are the scriptures. Receive the spirit of life. Amen. Let me move on now, okay? The fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22-24. I, I am going to get done here. Don't, don't worry. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to, the, to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires. Let me give you a quick breakdown, okay? Love is not sissy love. It takes a man to be a lover of people. Amen? Amen? It takes a man to own up and say, I love people. And I'm not talking sissy love. Because some of you say, well, you're a sissy if you could say, I'm not a sissy. You can come beat me up all you want. I'll just get back up again because I love you. I might defend myself, but if you're bigger than me, then I'll call Christian. He'll help me out. Okay? And the new youth pastor, because he's bigger and he's a former Marine. So, I'm just teasing you. Okay? Love is, this is God love. This is agape love. This is love that helps us to love unlovable people. Because without God's love, you will not be able to love other people. Amen? Okay? This is sacrificial love. Joy. Joy, this is deep-seated gladness from God, knowing that we are in a relationship with Him. No matter what happens, we still have joy. You see, we have natural joy. And once vacation over, your natural joy goes away, doesn't it? When the three-day weekend's over, what happens to your natural joy? When you have to work extra hours, what happens to your natural joy? But the joy of God lasts forever. It's in you. It helps you go through those weeks of hard work. It helps you deal with things. Amen? Peace. Now, this is not a lack of conflict or trials. This is a peaceful or quiet spirit that can endure those trials. That you can, under pressure, you can handle it because the Holy Spirit's in your life. This is the peace of God. I don't know about you, but that takes strength from God to deal with stuff. Amen? This is real. This is the anchor in God to, to, to endure the conflict of the trial. Patience. This is long-suffering, endurance from God. This is the endurance that helps you to, to be slow in anger, slow in despair, because the world's going to overcome you with anger. He's gonna over, the world's going to overcome you with fears. And so this will help you. Patience means continuing on with the faith, even though you don't feel like it. Amen? Faith is not always a feeling. Faith is something you do. Kindness, gentleness, or goodness. This is, this is a good disposition. This is not wanting to hurt anyone or cause pain. I'm serious. If you want to hurt people all the time, there's something wrong. If you want to see people burn or be destroyed, there's something wrong. Well, Pastor, stand in the Bible. There are times when God brought judgment upon people, but overall, God wanted to bring people to salvation. Now, I will defend my family. I will defend my nation. I will defend this church, whatever means. But I'm not going out looking for a fight every day. Because that's not God. That's not goodness. That, that's not from God, okay? 
kindness. I mean, now goodness is the next one. Goodness means a, a good-natured person. This is the zeal for truth and righteousness. They hate evil. They want, they want God's goodness to be, overcome evil, okay? So sometimes you can get angry at evil in the world, but you're going to find a way positively through God to overcome it. Amen? Because, see, every one of you have a warrior spirit from Christ in you. And in it, when you see things, you see injustices, you see evil things, your spirit gets angry. And that's a God thing. And He's trying to tell you to do something about it. Through Christ, overcome it. Through Christ, make something happen. Do you understand what I'm talking about? These are the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not a pansy thing. This is not sissy stuff. This is strong stuff. This makes you stronger. Amen? Goodness is this. also means a person of character. Today we hear a lot of people saying, well, as long as a person gets their job done, it doesn't matter what they do in private. <coughs> Wrong answer. I don't want a pedophile good on the job and then taking your kids out. Because that's what they do in private. Because see, what they do in private comes out in public. They can't help themselves. I'm serious. So we, we, we're like, well, I don't care what they do as long as they come to work. I don't know about you, but I don't want someone driving a truck who's stoned. Because they got, they got stoned all weekend. They're coming to work driving a semi-truck down 270, impaired, and you've got your kids and your grandkids in the car, and they crash you up the side of the road. I don't care what they do in private. It's not right. And I don't want to legislate. I don't want to bug them, but I don't want that to come out. You see, that flies in the face of God. It, it does matter what you do in private, because it always comes out in public. And our society says, as long as you don't get caught, it's okay. You're going to destroy someone else. Don't do it, amen? Faithfulness. This is a person of faith, of fidelity. This is a person who has faith in God, not in faith. This is a person who's a faithful person, and they can be counted on. So as a Christian, you should be counted on at your workplace, your business. Amen? When you say something, you should be able to do it. Now, there are times when you say something, you can't do it because you, you didn't have the right resources, blah, blah, blah. But when you, you should be a person of your word. You should at least try. Amen? And can I give you a pet peeve? It really drives me crazy when people come to church and they say they're going to do something and they don't do it. Did I just say that? Did you mean sissy Pastor Stan just said that? Mild-mannered? Yeah, it drives me crazy if you continually tell me you're going to do something and you don't do it because you're not being a faithful person. Gulp. If you keep telling me or God or the church or someone in your church or your friend you're going to keep doing something and you don't do it, you're lying to them. You're not being faithful. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Well, pastor, I forget. Then, man, then, then write it on your hand if you have to. Remember they used to have palm devices? I mean, if you have, still carry the, the day timers, get it on your phone. Like, you know, the alarm goes off every hour. Bleep, 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 you know, to remind you, oh, I, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. Or don't make commitments that you can't keep. See, a faithful person follows through with what they're going to do. Amen? That's one of the problems in our society. We have people that, that are not faithful. They're not faithful to their family, their church, their, 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 their calling. They're not faithful to their job. And we have some people that are constantly leaving. And I know there are sometimes jobs are horrible. And the, and the company, they just see you as a cog in the wheel. They just want to suck the life out of you. I understand that. And so sometimes you have to leave those jobs to find a better job. I understand that. But if you're constantly always looking for the grass that's green on the other side, you're not being faithful. Because in that job, in that place, in that church, you're, you're going to learn and grow by dealing with other people. Amen? This is good preaching, right? Something like, oh, yeah, right. All right. Gentleness, meekness, true humility. This is knowing that you're right with God. Listen to this. This is knowing that you're right with God and you don't have to prove it to other people. Because I'm going to be, neat, I'm going to be real nice to you. You're a shallow person if you have to always prove that you're right to everybody. 
There are times when you have to exert your presence and say, hey, that's wrong, or hey, I'm in charge here. That happens. But if you're always having to be right, you know the person has to get the last word in? The person always has to be right. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the flesh. You see, Jesus was right, and, and he walked around. He didn't fight everybody. He didn't go around, I'm right, you're wrong. So Christians don't need to do that all the time because God will justify you in many battles. I mean, there are times when you need to stand up. There are times when you need to defend certain things, your jobs, your careers, your families at certain times. But if you're always trying to be right and prove you're right, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Are you, are you following today? Are you doing good? All right, let me move on because I need to move on. Self-control means temperance. Temperance, mastering of your desires. Passions, including your faithfulness in, in a relationship or marriage vow or with your family. This is uh, physical self-control, mental self-control, and spiritual self-control. You can get control of those through the Holy Spirit. Because my body wants to sleep in every day. My body wants to stop at Chipotle and that little donut shop over there. I'm not going to mention that donut shop over there. Every time I drive by there, I smell it. And my body says, pull over. Pull over. And I say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm not pulling over. In fact, I'm glad I didn't smell this morning. I'm hungry right now. See, my body wants to be in charge of my... But the Spirit of God helps me control my nature. Amen? So let me talk about this life. I'm running out of time. Life without the Spirit. Number three, life without the Spirit. Letter A, Christianity is hopeless without the Spirit. Christianity is hopeless without the Spirit. John 6.63 says, The Spirit gives life. This flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are truth. You see, when we try to live for and serve Jesus in our flesh, we're going to begin to get frustrated. We're going to begin to be burned out. Coming to church is just... Worship's going to annoy you. The pastor's going to annoy you. People are going to annoy you. But if you're coming expecting and you're coming to be filled with the Spirit, it's going to be different. You're going to get something out of it. It's going to bring life to you. Do you see what I'm saying? When we worship without the Spirit, we just sing songs. Right? If we just come to church expecting to be tickled, then we're just coming to church expecting to be tickled instead of saying, that, that is, those words are words of life for my life. Amen? You come to church just to be entertained because what the church does, you're just coming to the church to be entertained. And it's going to burn you out. If you're coming to do work in the ministry, go, oh, Pastor Stan, you said you need children's church workers. Okay, I'll do it. Don't. Don't do it unless the Spirit of God says do it. And you do it with joy. Amen? Or whatever God's calling you to do. Not just children's ministry. I just use that as an example. See, after a while, your human excitement runs out and the church empties out. If you try to live your life without the Spirit. If you try to live your spiritual life without the Spirit. Let me move on. Letter B. Dignified Christianity. This is what I talked about. We want to be in charge. That's just, it's just human nature. You want to be in charge. It's human nature. I want to be in charge of my life. Okay, that's human nature. We want, to, we want to be used by the Spirit, but we're unwilling to be controlled by the Spirit. We want, we want the water of the Spirit, but we're afraid to go in over our heads. We'll dip our feet in to be refreshed. We'll drink a little bit, but we're afraid of stepping out in the deep because so, then we'll lose control. And we'll think we're going to be weird and strange. I'm telling you, you're not going to be weird and strange. Your life is going to be better. Amen? You see, when the Spirit comes upon a church, things happen. Good things happen. You look in the book of Acts, good things happen. Are you following me? You doing good? Letter C. Let me move on. Empty and exposed. You see, Christianity is the only faith where the Creator of this faith lives in His people. See, Buddhism, Islam, all the other isms and uh, things, none of their 
religious leaders claim to have their God live in them. Only Christianity does that. Only faith in Christ does the, the Spirit of God live in us. And again, a tree is known by its fruit. We talked about that, that what's in your life comes out. People can see what's in your life. And if Jesus is living in your life, they want that. If it's religion, they don't want that. Look at what a Spirit-filled church can do. Look what happened in the book of Acts. Great things happen. Now, I'm going I'm to do this next thing. Life in the Spirit. Here they are, quickly. Write them down. Life in the Spirit. Hit the next slide. Life in the Spirit. It talks about Acts 2, 42-47. I want you to write that down and look it up later. Hit the next slide. Write these things down. It says, basically, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, they had purpose, they had power, they had passion. Write that down. When the Holy Spirit came upon the church, it says that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, and the Word of God. Thousands of people's lives were changed by the Gospel. People were being saved. The church was growing. So they had purpose, power, passion. Hit the next slide. They had persistence and they had product. You mean product? Product meant that their life was evident that the Holy Spirit was in their life. And people were being changed. People were being delivered from darkness. The church was growing. So, so for a spirit-filled life, those things need to be in your life. Purpose, power, passion, persistence, and product. And this is the last thing so we can end. Number five, because I want to get this in. Why? Because I have another sermon next week. Okay. Number five, losing control and gaining power. Losing control and gaining power. Letter A, yielding yourself to God. Yielding yourself to God. You see, the irony of the spirit-filled life is that you have to give up control so you can have power. You have to give up control so God can give you more power. God can do more through your life. How many times in your Christian life have you been in a place where you said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to try harder to get here in church on time. I'm going to try harder to read my Bible. I'm going to try harder to pray. But you know what? You just get frustrated after trying harder, don't you? I do. And I get burned out. I get discouraged. So I say, you know what? I'm, Lord, I'm done trying would you just take over? Would you make my relationship with you natural and flowing that I just want to be with you? Would you change my desire so I want you more than the world system? And it begins to flow. It becomes better. Amen? You see, Christianity is not a self-effort religion. But rather, it's you are totally dependent on the power of God to refresh you, to renew you. The Bible says God wants to, in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to His good purpose. God wants to do good things. Would you stand with me? The last thing, letter B, stand with me, write this down, greater power, greater power. Would you stand with me? Greater power. I don't have time to get into it, but look at what Peter did. Look at Peter in the Bible. Look what his life was like before the Holy Spirit and look at his life after the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit is the only one in your life that can produce true self-discipline. The Spirit is the only one that can help you overcome these life-controlling habits. The Spirit is the only one that can help you truly love people. The Spirit is the only one that can help you be bold in the face of trials and bold to share the love of God. Amen? But to have this ability, you have to surrender to the Spirit of God. God does not make you robots. God doesn't beat you up and take control. You have to willingly say, God, fill me with your Spirit today. Ephesians 5.18 says again, Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. God can do greater things, but you have to surrender to Him right now. Father God, we surrender right now to You. Spirit of the living God, we, we just want to worship You right now. We want to submit to You, Holy Spirit. We want You to have Your way in our lives. We want to, we want to commit our lives to You right now. Holy Spirit, we need You to flow in our lives. We need You, Jesus, to be the Lord of our lives. Jesus, we need You to be the boss. We need you to be the king. And Lord, we want to be free today. And Lord, I, I do. I, I want to have an altar time, Lord. 
And I want to sing a song, but I, I want us to first submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. That He is the Lord. He is the Master. And so, Lord, we want the life of God to flow out of us this morning. The Holy Spirit is dealing with some of you right now. Please, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. The Holy Spirit is dealing with some of you right now. Some of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, and, and you need to do that. And you've heard me talk about this. Maybe you've been here a few times. Maybe you, you know, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, and you, this, you say, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. If that's you, with your, your eyes closed, heads bowed, would you just quickly raise your hand so that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay, go ahead and put your hands down. And everyone, everyone pray after me now. Those who put your hands, everyone hands up, put your hands down now. Everyone pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, 